Hello, and welcome to Such a Nightmare, Conversations About Horror. My name is Katherine Troyer, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tony Tresca. Hey there! This is our Eerie Extras, which is essentially the place where we put all the stuff that we want to do, but just doesn't fit elsewhere. And this is often <laughs> where we do our sort of immediate response. We just saw it in theater, and we're so excited to talk about it. Tony, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about 2022's Scream. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this is very exciting. So I want to begin by uh, sharing that I've seen all of them. I've seen all of them several times over. But we decided mm-hmm. to do something a little bit different because yeah. you've only seen the first one. I've only seen the original, the the original Scream. Yeah, I've seen it. Sev- I've seen it a couple times, and I love it. And so I don't know, I, I just hadn't gotten around to the rest of the scream. And I'm excited for, I know when we inevitably, for this podcast, we'll be uh, ripping in and stabbing our way through the yes. rest of the scream franchise. Uh, but yeah, no, before seeing this new scream, the only one of the rest of the franchise that I had any exposure to was the first one. And I didn't know, I was a little worried for you because I didn't know if they were going to do some sort of like montage of you know the killers throughout the times because you know one of the things that scream tries to do is to surprise us with who's going to be the killer i don't think it's ever been quite as effective as with billy and Stu. um yeah but but surprisingly slash unsurprisingly as we get through the monologue about what a requel is they're not really interested in two three and four right this is a a reboot sequel to the first film that has maybe just a passing nod to the fact that there have been other films. And I, the only thing that thing that I was a little bit confused of with this new one, and I guess this is a brief spoiler for the second, third, and fourth one, maybe, although I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> I haven't seen the second, third, or fourth one, um, is the referencing to the Stab franchise. I, I, I knew that the Scream movies got met more meta and they made a version of themselves within the franchise because yeah. i had just like i mean that's that's not an uncommon no. trope for even wes craven right, right. himself he's done that before with a uh, with new nightmare so right. i had heard about that within the scream and they referenced that within this one but other than that i didn't really feel like by not having seen the other Scream movies, I was missing out with this and one. And honestly, it, it's not even a spoiler because it's the first five minutes of Scream 2, right? Yeah. They're seeing Stab in the first five minutes. So so there's really very little that's, that's ruined or spoiled, which is, again, fitting for that term, which I, I rather like. I didn't think I would, but but the requel, right? Because the idea yeah. is, is that you need to have seen the first one, you need to have loved the first one, but beyond that, you are not going to be affected one way or the other by by your affection or lack thereof, right? Because I think it's often lack thereof for the rest of the the films in, in the franchise. So let's let's talk about this this film. What yeah. what were your thoughts? So ultimately, overall, I think I was underwhelmed by the film as a whole. I thought throughout there were some really really strong moments and I thought that there were some really good ideas that it introduced but overall I think I had some real problems with it because it felt it felt like a very very different type of scream movie and a different type of horror movie than the the first scream like this is 
much, much more clearly affirmative horror in a way that the original Scream is just not. And that is, I, we've talked about this before, um, it's a, it's a personal taste. I know that I'm not as big of a fan on affirmative horror, so when I realized that this new Scream was gonna be a bit more like that, I realized, okay, maybe this one is not necessarily going to be my favorite. I read something on, on Twitter that I felt summed up my feelings and it was like, did I like the new Scream? Yes. And then I was like, mm-hmm. was it my favorite Scream and did I love it? No. Will I still be willing to watch it again and eventually own it? Yes. And and I think for me, you know, one of the things this film did well is that they truly understood why and how a requel gets made, right? So I think about the the 2010 version of Nightmare on Elm Street, where they're like, screw yeah. you fans, screw you people who love this film, this is what we're doing instead. And, and that was very alienating, whereas Scream was like, thank you so much for for 25 years, which is just astonishing to me, for 25 years loving this franchise so much that we were able to bring back the big characters, that they were willing to come back, right? And and I I appreciated that. I I appreciated the fact that this was truly a, a love song, but in a way that made sense in a lot of respects with some really important problems that we'll eventually get to. Yeah, and... This film really does, I I think, have, to speak to what you're saying, had its moments. Like, I really enjoyed the opening scene a lot. Mm -hmm. If I think that that opening scene is where the film works the best, uh, which is a positive, and I know now that I've just said that, also a negative, because that's the high point of the film, that opening scene. But I thought that the commentary that they were doing in that scene of and I, I, I thought that, and what they were setting up of this idea of old classic slashers or and nineties the view of slashers versus our more cerebral modern yes. understanding of what horror is, and this divide between the horror community between older horror fans and younger horror fans. And I really, I really liked yeah. a lot of that, that stuff in there. That scene where she was like, my favorite movies are, and then she just listed all the A24 films. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you are that audience, right? You are that today's audience. And, and that conversation where he was like, I don't know, I find those rather dry and boring <laughs> and lacking in jump scares. And, and you're so right that that conversation... And this is what Scream has always done well, right? The franchises is that the people that are making these films love horror so much that they're pretty much just like, remember that conversation we had last week? Let's put it into our script, shall we? Because that's, that's what that scene read as. And, and you know, it, it, dated people who remembered the original right she was like i don't know that was so long ago do you mean the old film and i was like dear heavens but at the same time (laughs) uh you know it was clear that we were supposed to like be able to be in both positions right both the sort of artsy horror but also the like but just kill someone already and i think you're right that that opening scene which was doing so much of what makes an homage effective really worked rather masterfully i liked the end too obviously we're spoiling things because that's what we do on the show. Um, That's what we do. <laughs> I I thought that final scene where Sam killed Richie was mm-hmm. beautifully shot because it was it was very like erotically shot. You know, I mean, she was um, like the blood she was straddling. Yeah, him. she was straddling yeah. him, the blood doing whatever, and then um, 
And and I liked that final sequence because I liked the emphasis on the final girls. This is the first film that has explicitly acknowledged what we've known all along, and that is that Gail Weathers is also a final girl. Uh, you mm-hmm. know the is that is interesting. They don't. None of the other the they, two, I mean, three or four. She doesn't get her like final girl. She moment. doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't the same way she does in, in Scream One in the first Scream where she mm-hmm. she gets it by being a survivor by helping to end things by being there in those final moments, you know, gun smoking with Sydney. But, but this film literally as well as figuratively framed them together a little bit more. And I liked the idea of Sydney being like, you ready to go kill him? And Gail was like, yep. And I just, that discussion of like what the final girl has to be and what the final woman has to be, which is something we've been talking about a lot with our discussion of Grady Hendrix and Stephen Graham Jones. I appreciated that this film was aware of where the final woman needs to be now. Yeah, I I think I agree. I liked the final scene as as well. I I, I think that all the moments that you're talking about in particular really work. The three, the pair, the Courtney Cox, uh, Nev Campbell, and then the new addition to this film, this film's final girl, uh, Melissa Barrera, who is, she's a she's a good addition. I think of all of the new actors uh, to this to it she's probably she probably does the best job i th- i thought of the of the new characters who got I, brought in i actually really liked um the sister Je- oh jenna ortiz mm-hmm. she's my i also liked her as well i think i liked her performance a, a little bit more but but maybe because i think that sam was a harder character to pull off yeah, because they were think, putting a little bit more. They were putting a lot in there for her to have to like act on with not, not really ultimately a ton of dialogue. Yeah, I think Tara got a lot more. The sister got the stronger scenes, and the writing was stronger for her character because she got. I mean, she got the opening scene. Yeah. She got some really good scenes in the hospital, and then of course she gets the her the final scene um, in the house. She gets a lot of really good stuff to do, and she gets that amazing line at the end where she she kills the. She kills her friend Amber, and she's like, "I still prefer the Babadook." Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought that was a nice like way to sort of wrap it up. I okay. So I want to say one other thing that I liked, which is super tiny, and then I want to go back to the thing you mentioned about the hospital because that's yeah. that's the beginning of where I really have some problems. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I also it was super tiny, but I did appreciate that they had that four West sign up at the party, right? I mean, they purposely named that character Wes so they could explicitly do that. But it was just nice. It was nice, again, to have that recognition that that this is a film that is not trying to say, but I bet we could do better. It's like, we no longer get to have your scream, so all we can do is try to give you our version of that, right? Our fan take of what you've given us. And so I, I, it was tiny, not a big thing, but it, it spoke to that, again, that sort of larger respect for the yeah. the franchise and for the the filmmakers, I think I like this film most when, and this is going to maybe sound contradictory to a lot of the larger things about the Scream, the the first one, and I imagine maybe for fans of the rest of the franchises, I actually feel like think this film worked best when it was being sentimental and actually t- earnestly taking the characters very seriously, particularly I think its handling of a lot of the legacy mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. I thought that the sentimentality and the seriousness uh, and the fact that you really are supposed to feel 
really just heartbroken at where a lot of these characters are and how they've ended up. And then, of course, yeah, the explicit acknowledgement of the contribution that someone like Wes Craven made to the horror genre, to these filmmakers, and just the world and the horror community around. I thought that, and normally sentimentality, particularly within horror and horror comedies, does not really work for me, because I'm like, it just feels like a little too cheesy, Mm -hmm. or like they're forcing it, but... I thought that the sentimentality in this actually was one of the film's better elements. However, I think it does contradict some of the themes within the film, which we can talk about in now. Because it's one of my fa- it's the thing I think works best. Yeah. But that I scene think between that it Gale and Dewey was, yeah. was really, when she's like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, because I didn't want to be a failure, right? And she's like, no, you're just you just belong here. Like, I mean, that it was, what, two and a half minutes? But, but you know, yeah. it was a phenomenally acted scene. And and you're right. It really showed us again that these are the characters we've loved for 25 years. And yeah. so let's let's talk about you know the death of Dewey, right? Because it's the hospital scene, and and the death scene was fantastic. The stabbing him and ripping him from you know um, whatever the phrase is that Stu uses in the in mm-hmm. the first one, right? Where we get to see them rip, and then you know the the killer says, you know, it's been an honor or something like that. I thought the killing scene, that was fine. Here was one of my problems though. And here's where, here's where things at various moments unraveled for me. It just wasn't realistic that that hospital would have been empty. Like it just, that didn't, you know, and, and like, let's set aside the fact that if Tara had had major surgery, which she had, she wouldn't have her earrings in. Let's just set aside that tiny little issue of mine. Let's talk about the fact that it makes no sense. None at all that that hospital would have been completely empty. And and I am bothered by that because one of the best parts about the Scream franchise is that he's in the midst of all these people. A lot of the kills in 2, 3, and 4 happen in the midst of tons of people. And that is the scariest thing, is it's not just when you're yeah. alone that you need to be afraid. You need to be afraid all the time. And I thought that was really frustrating but also stupid and and also a missed opportunity right because what Mm -hmm. would have been nice if they again they were doing this homage thing was if they turned it into a sort of nightmare on elm street nightmare-esque sequence right where she like we quickly realize again that she's in some sort of dreamscape not that ghostface killer has the ability to get in there but you know we just get to kind of have another like oh yeah we bet you're also a fan of this franchise but let's remember in no world is a hospital empty (laughs) ever so i i had a problem with it because it just felt sloppy in a way that that i know they can do better because they did so much better at so many other points in the in this film but certainly in the franchise yeah that was certainly a weird moment and again the sequence works fairly well with that with her having to to like claw her way you know and she can't wheel herself because her hand is stabbed and she can't move that was it was excruciating it was actually fantastic but it made no sense to set it there like that yeah and it's just a weird moment like that when a film that is so meta and aware of itself that it would be like and so and so explicitly, and and in terms of metas, making it clear, like, hey, modern horror is very realistic, right? You're not going to have the, the unrealistic things of, of slashers yore. And they're like, but we're going to take you into a hospital where there's only one person. So it just, it felt very contradictory yeah. to, to what they were clearly trying to do. And they're just better than that. And it I may sound so. nitpicky, but it but it becomes like a bigger sort of, 
epidemic in the film. Mm-hmm. There's lots of little moments like that that don't entirely make cohesive sense. I, another, another thing about the film that I think really suffers in comparison, particularly when you're viewing it to something like the original, the original Scream, or even, honestly, the slashers of then, is I feel that a lot of the new characters whom they introduce are just not very interesting or really worthy of like the being a part of this screen franchise like one of the great things about the original screen that i love so much is every single character in that movie is so unique and specific and any one of them could be the killer not because uh not because they're vague but just because they're so specific and they all have a really clear motive and they represent bring in a very specific character type and baggage in this movie, it didn't necessarily feel like they were really characters so much as, like, beginnings of an idea of a stereotype around what a kind of a person is, which, again, is just a little bit of a difference from the original, but it was enough that I was like, I don't really care about these characters, honestly. Yeah. And true, it's this... And Again, this film does the same thing as the original in that, yeah, all of the characters are set up to where they could all be the killer, but you don't really care. Not in the same way that the original where you're like, oh, any of these people could be the killer. And this one you're like, well, yeah, I guess any of them technically could have done it because they don't give us very much information about any of these characters and they don't really set them up outside of the fact that they could be the killer. I, Which is just a weakness, I yeah, think, of I like getting the us way to buy the characters in the world. I yeah. like the way that you described it of, of they're the idea of a character, right? Because each Because they clearly were like, let's not just have the super traditional x character right so our jockish character is also sensitive and he's like hey i think you've been drinking too much you know and he's not a jerk and and you know he's a twin and so there's there's these little things that they're trying to do right to to make us feel like these characters could be developed but i think you're right what happens when you have this many characters is is that you just can't develop them all because you need to return the legacy characters and you need to make us feel like they're not just cameos but they're developed characters in their own right and then you know we have sam and tara that are going to need to be fully developed and then by the time we get to you know the the killers we have richie and amber they need to be developed but then the other ones need to be you're right and so it just becomes uh, too much for a film to be able to do maybe a tv show but we've we've tried that with scream and to varying degrees of success so you know but but you're right i think if you have that many characters if you're trying to introduce that much stuff something's gonna give and and one of the the results is the character development i do think though that my biggest issue and and Mm -hmm. i'm surprised you haven't used this word yet uh is that it's missing the camp right so i don't think that this is a horror comedy it's a horror film that has some some moments of levity and it's yeah. And I, and I'm not sure I'm entirely. So I was having a conversation about this after we watched the film yesterday, and and mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm, entirely mm-hmm. sure. I'm completely against the tone of this film because the film says very explicitly the tone of of horror today is different, and what audiences want is different, and so we're going to give them that. But at the same time, part of the magic and beauty of Scream is that it's a horror comedy and it's a it's a campy horror comedy. And and this film tried that, especially in that opening sequence, I think it's successfully. Yeah. But if you're not going to go horror comedy, then you can't go affirmative. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, I agree because this film is just like a lazy affirmative horror with a little bit of meta commentary rather than, oh, I think what you, I love, I love the way that you've just described it because I think that that is the ultimate, the, the biggest thing holding this film back for me from like joining the ranks of Scream or even any of the other Craven films is just that at the end of the, yeah, the, and I think it comes a lot from, it comes from, rather than I think the, any of the performances, I think it's coming from the writing and the directing. Not not to place too much of a blame on, like, an emphasis on the fact that Craven's creative control really did help shape and define it, but I think you really do feel that. And I think that maybe they knew that they couldn't possibly do that, and so they decided to just do this instead, but I think that's a weird... Not with the Scream franchise. Yeah. I think, I think, and I think that there are just, within this movie itself, I thought it introduced a lot of ideas for what the film could have done instead, which is, yeah. go, go ahead. No, yeah, go so ahead. I just, I think, I think you're right that, that, you know, we have to admit that we don't have Wes Craven. We don't have Kevin Williamson, who, you know, not only gave us the first four Screams, but gave us Dawson's Creek. Uh, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a fantastic writer. Craven was Craven. But, but I think you're right that what this film said, gave itself as the challenge, was how can we reinvent the horror film Scream? Or maybe even they said the meta, the meta horror film screen, Scream for today's mm-hmm. audience. When maybe the question they should have asked themselves instead was, how do we adapt the meta horror comedy Scream? Because I think that's where we need to go next, right? I think we've acknowledged that we have shifted... Um, how we think about horror, but we're not quite there in terms of horror comedy. We're still relying yeah. on a lot of the things that we've been doing since the nineties. And, and that works in some respects, but it's mm-hmm. time to, to go that next step. And I don't think we've done a very effective job yet outside of maybe get out. Um, but you know, that's, uh, so I, I think that's right. I think that's right though. And I thought that that was what this, after the opening scene, I honestly thought that this movie was going to be, instead of just, it was, that opening scene, I was like, oh, it's going to be this 90s style of slasher here, but then the rest of the film is going to be kind of how, how is this new killer evolving for a modern horror audience? And so the kill, I was hoping, I was hoping that the kills would be more cerebral and we would get more elements uh, more akin to Get Out or Hereditary within this film, and it was using those films as its framework to set things up and commentate on. But instead, I think you're, ultimately it is still pulling from, it's making a lot of its references and jokes based on 80s and 90s horror and just name-dropping 2000 and 2010s horror, rather than actually doing things with the new genre elements, the new tropes, and the new sort of style of horror that horror has come into. Yeah. And and there would have been some ways, I think, to to really intriguingly play with that. So one of the scenes mm-hmm. that comes to mind that is from, that is one of my favorite parts of, of Scream is when the Randy, who's being played by Jamie Kennedy, right, is saying, Jamie, Jamie, look at behind you, right? And we're like, we're watching it on a screen watching him watch it on, on a screen and all that stuff. So we get that scene in here where um, the female twin is is watching that scene. And first off, that idea of cathartically watching your, your uncle get killed 
or is it that would have been really interesting to develop a little bit more but it would have been perhaps more clever if instead of the killer coming up behind her and she like looks at the last moment if she had been maybe um recording herself and so she could see behind her and she's like come on so and so and she's not looking in front of her right so like you know so that or i thought i thought maybe another way to do it is just instead of to add another element of modern on top of this old is rather than having her watch it on the tv why can't she be watching it on her phone and then on the back of the phone she in the reflection she's able to see the reflection of Ghostface because then you'd have a character right it's very then it's so meta it's a or if she's character watching, watching it, a thing on a, yeah if she's watching it on her phone while also recording her reaction to watching it right then she would have been so focused I mean there would have just been some ways to really play with it and I think that that they they tried but sometimes got sort of lost in there and and I felt that there was no place that that was more apparent than in our, our killers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the killers really got, I think, the short end of the straw. And I think their motivation ultimately is so counterintuitive to the rest of the film. Because so much of this film has been like horror fans. We love them. This, co- this, com- this is a serious community that we... and that we are we're lucky to be a part of and have each other here we love and respect and honor these characters and you should too that's why we brought them back that's why we brought back all this legacy characters because this is clearly so important to everybody and then the villains are like it the ultimate theme is then contradictory there where they're like saying you shouldn't take this stuff too seriously if you get too invested in horror then you'll go crazy and the fans are really the problem so it's the film itself is trying to deliver and be this kind of fan service thing and deliver satisfying and, and commit to taking horror very seriously and sentimentally. But then the villains themselves are saying, no, you can't do that. That's actually the worst thing you could do. And so then you kind of, in the third act, have this collision between two th- two types of themes that don't cohesively go together. Yeah, it it was very problematic. For, for several reasons. And there was this weird acknowledgement of that, right? Where Richie says, like, I know it's it's too bad that it's me, but it's best for the film. And and I actually had less problem with Richie. I, I felt, found Amber uh, to be, first off, it was like, she's the killer. I, I don't know that she just, she it wasn't very uh, tricksy, in, in my no. opinion. But <laughs> but I think my problem, I think you articulated it perfectly. And that is that they, they sort of fell back on on who we would expect to be the killers. And I don't, I didn't want it to be the legacy characters, right? That would have absolutely ruined it. But if we kind of go back to that idea of, you know, if you're going to go more realistic or if you're going to go more 2010, 2020s horror, then you have to give us a killer that makes sense in there. And it has to be something that feels a little bit less trite so i wanted it to be three Mm -hmm. killers because we haven't had one of those yet and i wanted it to be judy who who you will meet and and scream for i wanted it to be judy who in scream for it's not giving really anything away she has this moment where she talks to sydney and she says do you remember me and sydney's like i'm sorry i don't she's like oh I, i went to high school with you but i was a few years behind you so i wanted it to be judy 
I wanted Judy to also have had a child from Billy because I wanted Billy to be a little bit prolific in his seed spreading. And and then I still wanted it to be um, I was still OK with the idea of it being a boyfriend, but but I wanted it to be three and I wanted it to be a commentary on having been at the margins of the last 25 years. So I wanted mm. us to see like through some superimposition mm. uh, editing that Judy had been in all of those places and she was kind of upset that she hadn't had a chance to be not not Sydney but that she hadn't been even recognized for having been there all along and if they had done that it would have also paid homage to all of the types of killers we've had in two three four and all of their motives which I'm, I'm trying not to spoil too much here for you uh but it would have given I us all that. of them <laughs> so that our killers our three killers would have covered every type of killer we had in Scream 1 through 4. Mm. And I have more that I would add, add on to that if you would, once you've seen 2, 3, and 4, we can talk about that more. But I just, they missed the mark on, on what is arguably for the franchise one of the most significant components. And, well, they missed the mark with this one, but they might be coming back and doing a couple more screens. I'd be okay with Matt that. Matt Campbell and the producers of this film have already started talking about how they're interested in doing some more. And I agree. I don't think that... I think that the Scream franchise is very important. Um, it very... I, and I love it. And so I would be super down to continue seeing it. I think I'd rather maybe see... I, I, I don't want them to continue in this affirmative horror direction with the franchise i think they've got to bring it back to being go back to the the problems are in are in our world they're in society we can do a bit more of that disaffirmative horror and honestly i think i would actually like to see in the next one maybe them develop on this idea of the doing scream in the style of more of a modern horror film whatever that means to the to the next people who get to date to do a crack at this film because as much as it, I'd love it if it was us, uh, I don't think they're going to give us the... Chances are the that that's not going to happen. And I have to say, <laughs> for all of my criticisms of this film, I was thinking about it. Scream 1, still first, because it may be, slash is a <laughs> perfect film. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I like Scream 2, and I'm not sure where, what your thoughts will be on it. But then it's this one, and then it's Scream 4, oh. and then it's Scream 3, which is the saddest of the films for me. So, you know, this film is still really high for me. It still did so much, and, and I will always be grateful that they were so respectful to those of us that have spent, in some version, our entire lives or 25 years, right, just being like this is where we want to be. So we will, of course, follow up on any of the other screams that may make their emergence. Mm -hmm. We are working our way through the Scream franchise on our regular podcast episodes. So we hope that you check that out. And we'll probably come back to Scream 5 and sort of rewatch it with some some theory uh, when mm -hmm. when we get there. Anthony, Anthony, Tony, what else do they need to know from us? Well, you can check us out on all of our social medias, which are listed in the description of this podcast. Also, feel free to get in contact with us either through our social medias, our Gmail, send us any questions. And then it would just be amazing if wherever you get your podcast from, you give us a rating. Yes. It helps get us out there, get us a little bit more exposure. And honestly, it'd just be like super cool. So maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe do that at the end of this. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our nightmares. And have a spectacular day.